say, I, I just saw that when I looked down at my Bible. We have the new Bible reading charts for the new year. They're out on the bookshelf counter back there. If you'd like one to read the Bible through, uh, we have them in Spanish and in English. So if you'd like one, take one if you'll use it. Don't take it if you won't use it. And uh, if you're not connected and you'd like to be connected to the Bible reading group that's walking through it together, get with Brother Gabriel or Sister Sandra over here. They'll get you connected. It's a great little, it's just a communication group that we're a part of. Different people are reading through this together and make comment day to day about what the scripture says and what they saw in those scriptures. So uh, I enjoy just reading it, the different thoughts. Amen? So grab your Bible and let's go to the book of Exodus. I... um, as I was looking at the word last night and again this morning, I, you know, some, I've got to be careful here. I don't want to get in trouble or get anybody else in trouble. Have you ever, um, you ever had a conversation with someone and then a little while later something comes up and you're, and you had forgotten about the conversation before? But my wife's smiling at me like really broad for some reason. <laughs> You had forgotten about the conversation before, but then when the conversation starts, you're like, man, I'm remembering something from a few weeks ago, a few few months ago, right? Um, As as many of you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the temple started this verse here in Exodus. And uh, as I, the Lord seems to have just held me there, my mind went back to a conversation we had in some ministry that took place back in September about the restoration of the temple uh, with Ezra. And I hadn't, I, I don't try to connect stuff, but I want to be aware if the Lord is connecting things. And uh, I felt like maybe what the Lord was telling me as we're going through this is you sort of moved off of that a little bit. I'm trying to get you back there. There's more I'm wanting you to see here. And so we may be here another week or two still. Um, I think I warned you of that a couple of weeks ago. Um, Exodus 25, verse 8. Let's read there. This is the Lord speaking through Moses to the children of Israel. And he said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. This was the desire of God to dwell among his people. Uh, I'm not going to walk back through all of that. Um, If you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, go back and listen. But this is the desire of the Lord. The Lord doesn't change. The scripture teaches us he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If it was the desire of the Lord to dwell among his people then, he doesn't change. So this was his desire. He made it known. And, of course, he gave Moses instruction to build him a tabernacle, which became the pattern of the tabernacle, which ultimately when Solomon built the temple, we talked about Solomon built it according to that pattern, and we see that pattern that we know holds types and shadows for today. Go with me to the book of Malachi, chapter number 3. This is where we finished a couple of weeks ago. But it's where we're going to pick up today. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 1. I'm hearing pages, so I'm giving this a second. 
Are you there? Amen. And would you hold your hand right there and would you pray with me before we go any further this morning? And would you ask the Lord to anoint our ears and our minds and our hearts and open our understanding by his precious word and spirit today? Could we do that right now? Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your presence, that you would come among us. I pray today, holy God, that by this, your holy word that cannot fail, that you would speak to our hearts and our lives. I pray let any and every distraction be bound and let there be a liberty and flow of the Holy Ghost that your word would speak those things you desire, that you would reach in and write upon our hearts, that understanding and revelation in the knowledge of you would be given as only you can do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, stop, notice, pay attention is what that means. Behold, I will send my messenger. Now, I have a question before you read further. I know it's hard to stop for a second, but stop right there. Behold, I will send my messenger. Who's talking here? Who's talking? The Lord God is talking. Yes? If if you weren't sure, you can look back up at verse 16 in chapter number 2. It says, for the Lord, the God of Israel, saith, and we just continue right on down. So it's the Lord, the God of Israel, that's speaking here. This is Jehovah, Yahweh. That's who's speaking here. Okay? We agree with that. If you agree, say amen. amen. Okay, good, good. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just seeing if we're together. Behold, I, the Lord God, Jehovah, Yahweh, Right? I will send my, I want you to notice the possessive words that the Lord God uses. I will send my messenger, and he, he is the messenger that he's going to send. He will prepare the way before who? Who's he going to prepare the way before? No, who, what's it say? Me. You guys are adding words. You're making up, you're trying to, here. Oh, stay with me. Let's get through the scripture first. Don't jump ahead. This is so good. I know we're ready to go. The Lord is speaking, and he says the messenger that he's going to send is going to prepare the way before him. Is that what it says? Okay, good. It is something how we can complicate the word of God when it's so clear. He will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Won't you see that again? The Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So we've established who's speaking already. Yes? And if you weren't clear from looking back up at verse 16 in chapter 2, it's reiterated even with an emphasis there at the end of verse 1, saith the Lord of hosts. Yes? 
capital L-O-R-D, the Lord, Jehovah, God, Yahweh. He's the one that's saying this. He's saying, I'm going to send my messenger. The messenger's going to prepare the way before me. The Lord of hosts didn't say the messenger's going to prepare the way before somebody else that I'm going to send. He said, the messenger's going to prepare the way before me. That tells us he's coming. The Lord is coming. Yes? He will send his messenger. We know from Matthew 11 and 10 and Mark 1 and 2 that that messenger is John the Baptist. You can read it there. He quotes Malachi in one of those places. And so we see that, and he's preparing the way before me. It's an interesting choice, that word right there where he said me. The word me is literally, i got to try to say this right. I better just spell it. P-A-N-I-M in the Hebrew. I don't know how to say it. Panim, something like that. It's a, you know, it's, it's just a pronoun, it would seem. You know, that's sometimes why people, uh, that's a tangent, we better not go there. True pronouns matter. Men's trying to change them because they're trying to dilute the truth of the word of God. They matter. This word me that's used here. This Hebrew word appears 2,190 times in the Old Testament. That would make it seem like such a common word, wouldn't it? I guess it is in that regard. But what's interesting to me is about out of that, over half, almost half of those times, 1,137 of those times, it's coupled with the word before. Before is part of the Hebrew word, or ahead of, before. And then the other three, the other times it's like 30 times it means countenance, 40 times it means sight or what is visible, 76 times it means the presence of, and 390 times that Hebrew word is interpreted face and coupled with the word before. It would not be changing the scripture for this to read. He shall prepare the way before my face. The writer of Hebrews used that word. Now we know that God is a spirit. But God said there's someone going to prepare a way before me. And the me he used is often used as before someone's face. And so we see this here in scripture. And the Lord whom you seek. The word Lord there is Elohim. Somebody said that earlier when we were talking about who is this. The Lord, Elohim, will come to his temple. Is that what the word says? Whose temple is it? His. Again, notice the possessive words that he's using here. I'm going to sin. It's going to be before me. The Lord, Elohim, will come to his temple. Speaks of ownership. It speaks of possession. It's his temple, not somebody else's temple that he's made. It's his temple where he dwells. Amen? Bear with me. I know we're moving a little slow. We're going to shift in just a second. But we read over this verse so quickly, and there is so much wrapped in just these few words that we can just discount or people begin to read other stuff in question, but the Lord was making it so clear. This is why Israel is saying we're looking for the Messiah. God himself is going to come because they see these words. 
And they don't add multiplicity of persons. They understand who the I and the Lord and the me and his temple is when they're looking for the coming Messiah. I want you to notice these next two statements here in this scripture. He will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. Um, What's interesting to me is both of these statements are prophetic. I think all of this scripture is prophetic, of course. But both of these statements have dual prophetic meaning. I didn't realize it until I was looking. Maybe I did, but you know, some stuff doesn't register with you. And so we're going to look at that a little bit today. So we see here this messenger of the covenant. So what's he talking about? Now remember, Malachi is talking to the house of Israel about the messenger of a covenant. The covenant, it's, you know, covenant appears in Scripture a lot of times too. We're not going to take the time to go through all of that this morning. You can go study covenant in the Scripture. But you start looking, and the word that was used for covenant here is very unique so that Israel would have meant something to them when the Hebrew word for covenant, because there's some different Hebrew words for covenant. Again, we don't have time. We're not going to take that time this morning. But when he said the messenger of the covenant here, the word that was used here is the same word that was used in Genesis chapter 15. We're not going to go read all that. You can make a note and go read it later. Genesis 15 is when Abraham was met by the Lord, and the Lord came to him, and he told him, I want you to take some an animal sacrifice and you're going to take some birds and you're, you're going to lay them out and you're going to... And Abraham had this dream and in this dream the lamp came and this light of the Lord came and began to walk between the pieces of flesh that were laid there on the ground. If you, Some of you are like, what in the world is he talking about? Go read Genesis 15. I promise you. It's in there. This is when... And Abraham recognized the presence of God is here. The Lord is here. And the Lord made his covenant with Abraham. That said, I'm going to make a seed of you. A people that I'm going to raise up of you. And so the word that was used covenant there would point to that very time. Because the word covenant there is called from the idea, the Hebrew word here, of cutting. In pieces. And dividing in pieces in order to make a Solomon covenant or a solemn covenant. And the solemnity or the solemnness of the covenant comes by the ones making the covenant passing between the pieces that were cut. Some of you guys are going, what in the world is he talking about? But you're going to see, just stay with me just a minute, because we've got to see how powerful the word of God is to us. So when he said the messenger of the covenant, he said it's the messenger of the one that made the covenant that passed between the cut pieces. You with me? It's where we get the idea of a blood covenant from. Because pieces are cut. Blood comes from cut pieces. And so when one would pass through the cut pieces, that was their expression that I'm entering into covenant with you. Because I passed through the cut pieces. And so that's what the Lord did with Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. When he saw it was the Lord passing through the pieces. Okay? I'm hoping you're thinking, man, i got to go read Genesis 15, because you should. Now, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter number 1 and verse number 18. So we see the prophetic word of Malachi. That the Lord is going to suddenly come to his temple. And watch. 
I really didn't plan for a Christmas message. I've been on these notes for months, but it's good timing. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Keep going. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Next verse. But while he thought on these things, yes, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't fear to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Next verse. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people. Notice the possessive word there. He shall save his people from their sins. Now all this, verse 22, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, next verse, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, which being interpreted means what? Who's with us? Elohim. He's with us. The one that said, I will sin to prepare the way before me. He's with us. He's with us. John chapter 1. We're going to read just a couple more here. Watch. John chapter 1 and verse 1. Hold it there. So we see this birth of Christ. We celebrate it this time of year. We see the angel that we just read in Matthew appearing to Joseph in this dream and telling him, hey, this is God with us. This child that your wife is going to have is God with us. It's Emmanuel. This is what you're going to call him. And if you read in Luke's narrative in the second chapter of Luke, which is where we often read, right? The angels of the Lord, it's interesting to me, the scripture, the way it reads, it says that the shepherds were in the field keeping watch over their sheep by night. You heard that before? And it says something about them while they're there. It says, and suddenly there appeared to them an angel. A sudden change, a suddenness happened. All of a sudden, something's changing. They had been out there in those fields, no doubt, many times before, many nights before. But Brother Lewis was talking about timing and the... There was a timing that was ordained of God. It was prophesied by Malachi. It was prophesied by all the prophets of old. We didn't read through all of them today, but we picked up in Malachi. It was prophesied. He's going to suddenly come to his temple. And we see on this one night that probably seemed like everybody else, like just any other night. That the Lord said, now it's time. The fulfillment is time. John the Baptist has been there declaring me in the wilderness. It's time. John the Baptist, the messenger had come. And now I'm going to suddenly come. And it's time. And many people will miss it because I may not come. I'm not coming the way they would think. But I'm coming. 
I'm going to fulfill my word. And he came, God, with us. Now watch John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. You believe that? Verse 14, in the word, God was made flesh and dwelt among us. He, what did he do among us? He did what? Remember what we read in Exodus? I want them to make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. You think John knew the words he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost when he chose this word in verse 14? The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Malachi said he will suddenly come to his temple. John said the word is dwelling among us. What's interesting, I love the word of God. It's so powerful. The word dwelt that he used here is different than you find in a lot of other places. It literally translates in the Greek to fix one's tabernacle or to fix one's place of abode, to fix one's tent, to erect their tabernacle. John said the word was made flesh and he fixed his tabernacle among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I find the Lord, when I reflect on who he is and what he's done and who came, I was thinking about it in the prayer room and I started weeping. There were tears of joy, not sadness. I just, and I just started writing stuff. I'm not trying to be poetic. It's just stuff that came to when I'm thinking about him. The creator became the creation. You understand the creator became the creation to save his created people. The hand of God and the arm of the Lord became the Lord God with hands and arms. You see the beauty and the mystery. What a marvelous thing it is. It's the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. The very root of David became the offspring of David. The giver of the covenant became the fulfiller of the covenant. The everlasting father became the only begotten son. This is the miracle of Christ. We beheld his glory. He came and dwelt. He fixed his tabernacle among us. Why? Because the design and the desire of God has not changed. I want a sanctuary so I can dwell among my people. How is it that the one who heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool says there's something in the very nature of God that says I did not create mankind so I could remain solely in heaven as a throne and earth as a footstool, but I desire a tabernacle to dwell in. And so we see the pattern and we see the beginning in the wilderness was simply the outlying type and shadow of him coming to us. This is why he told Moses, Moses, you build everything exactly like I told you in the mount. 
You build the altar this way. You build the laver this way. The holy place and the holiest of holies in that tabernacle. You lay it out exactly the way I tell you to lay it out. Because he knew one day he was going to tell the scribes and the Pharisees, search the Old Testament scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life. But those Old Testament scriptures that you're reading about and that you're following, what they actually do is they testify of me, Jesus said. Those scriptures that you've committed your life to if you're not careful you'll get caught up in your tradition with those scriptures and you'll miss the fact that they're pointing to me the tabernacle was all about him it was simply the beginning of his plan and so we see the lord suddenly coming to his temple john chapter 2 verse number 18 watch this You have to know the context. We're not reading this whole chapter for sake of time. But if you read the few verses before, it's when Jesus comes into the temple and he finds those there selling ox and sheep and doves and changing money. And he makes a scourge of small cords. He gets a whip and he goes in there and he starts cleaning out the house. The temple. The temple was supposed to be where he dwelt. It was meant to be holy. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Every piece of furniture was holy. Everything in it was holy. Everything was separated and dedicated in the temple because it was where he would dwell. And so this is the context. He's just drove everything out. And he's done all this. Verse 18, then answered the Jews and said to him, after witnessing this tirade of him coming through the temple and cleaning it out with his whip, The Jews said to him, what sign do you show us seeing that you're doing these things? Seeing that you're driving everything out of the temple, what sign are you showing us? They were trying to understand. Next verse. Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, 40 and six years was this temple in building. Will you rear it up in three days? Watch verse 21. But he spake of the temple of his body. He spake of the temple of his body. Malachi said, The Lord whom you seek, he will suddenly come to his temple. The Lord God, Jehovah, Yahweh will suddenly come to his temple. And that's exactly what happened when the word became flesh. This is why Paul could tell Timothy, Timothy, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, preached on unto the Gentiles, seen of angels, received up into glory. Who was it? It was the Lord God, Jehovah, wrapped in flesh, who came and dwelt, fixed his tabernacle among us. Why? Because the desire of God has not changed from when he gave the law to Moses. I want to dwell among my people. It's the design. And the reality is, if you go all the way back, we didn't take the time to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. You see the outline of his desire from the very beginning. His desire was to dwell with man. And so we see him suddenly coming to his temple. Verse 22, when therefore he was risen 
from the dead. His disciples remembered that he said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Book of Mark, chapter 15. Verse 37. Anytime you see the word the temple in the scripture, it should bring to your and my spirit the understanding the temple is where God desires to dwell. The temple is meant to be a place for God to dwell. The temple by his design was always for him to have a place to dwell. It's why it should always be holy, separated, set apart unto him. So we find in Mark chapter 15, verse 37, Jesus cried with a loud voice. He's on the cross now, Calvary. He cried with a loud voice and he gave up the ghost. Next verse. Watch. And the veil of the temple. Which temple is that? Well, that's the Old Testament temple. The veil of the temple was rent in two or twain from the top to the bottom. Now, given what we know about the temple and about the fact that God has suddenly come to his temple in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now at the death of Christ, we see the temple's veil rent in twain. We've got to have some recognition and understanding here of what is the Lord showing us. Go to Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 11, please. Many of you have been reading Hebrews the last week, so here you go. But Christ... This is the Christ that's hanging on the cross that we just read about. The Christ that was God manifest in the flesh. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come, watch, by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say not of this building. Christ is the greater and the more perfect tabernacle. Amen? A question. Does anyone do their greatest work in the middle or at the end? Do you think God's going to do his greatest work? Is his greatest work already done or is there something that we've not yet seen that could be greater than what we've already seen? You understand, I'm not diminishing Calvary in any way. It's the greatest work he ever did as the man Christ Jesus. But if that was the end of the story, there's no need for any more of the scripture. He became a greater and a more perfect tabernacle. And there's greater things yet still. Now watch. Skip over to chapter 10, verse 14. Christ being the greater and the more perfect tabernacle. Verse 14 of chapter 10. By one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after he had said before, 
This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these or remission of sins is, there is no more offering for sin. Having brethren therefore, or having therefore brethren, boldness to enter where? To where? Where's the holiest at? It's in the tabernacle. Yes? Notice the writer of Hebrews reference. He's pointing back to the temple again. He's pointing back to the tabernacle again. He's saying, hey, brethren, we got boldness to enter into the holiest. Not by law. We didn't read the first nine chapters all the way through. But we don't have boldness to enter in because we followed all the steps of the law. Because we went through because you brought your two doves and your lamb and your oil. and we, No, 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 no. We have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Yes? By the blood of Jesus. By a new and living what? Verse 21 there. Or verse 20. By a new and living what? Do you remember what Malachi prophesied? He's going to prepare what? He will prepare the way before me. Yes, he was speaking of John the Baptist preparing the way before the coming Christ. But he also knew the coming Christ is preparing the way before us. It's the reason, though, the coming Christ could say when he came, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. We now can enter in by a new and living way. He's the way we enter now. By the blood of Jesus Christ, we enter into the tabernacle that we could not enter into before. Watch. He consecrated it for us. See, you and I couldn't enter in because we were not consecrated. Under the Levitical law, we had no way of entering in. We had no way of being consecrated because we were a Gentile. So we needed a miraculous consecration so that we could enter in. And so he, by a new and living way, consecrated for us that we could enter in to the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Notice, but this way was through the veil. You still got to go through the veil to get into the holiest of holies. He didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled the law. There's a whole lot of scripture here. You just get... He didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled the law. When he suddenly came to his temple, it was to make a way for you and I to go to the temple. When he suddenly came to the temple, it was to make a way for you and I to enter where we could not enter before. Why? Because he wants to dwell among us. And so he consecrated a way through the veil that is to say his flesh. Now, we read it in just a couple of verses before, the covenant. We see the writer of Hebrews pointing back to the covenant again. Notice 
this interesting statement about the flesh being the veil. This isn't coincidental. This isn't convenient type and shadow. We have to understand what we talked about all the way back in Malachi when he pointed back to Genesis chapter 15 and the moving between the pieces and the separating the pieces of the sacrifice allowed blood to come and the passing through the pieces that were separated is what solidified the covenant. When his flesh was torn... It was the separating of the pieces. And the blood flowed out of the separation of the pieces of his flesh, the veil. And the passing through the veil is the entering into the covenant. There is a pattern established throughout the word of God. He started it in Genesis 15 with Abram when he said, I'm passing through the pieces and making this covenant with you. You and I enter into the covenant of Abraham by the flesh of Jesus Christ being torn and his blood passing through. The blood made a way for you and I to come before the presence of God. Why don't you stand with me today? It's really hard to pause right there, but if we keep going, we'll go another hour. His desire is to dwell among you. His desire is to dwell among us. It has not changed. We see, I told you about dual prophetic meaning there in Malachi. We see the messenger of the covenant. How amazing is it that the very God who made the covenant with Abraham then came as the covenant when he dwelt Fully in Christ Jesus. No one could fulfill his covenant except him. Can you imagine if I made a promise and a covenant with you? I said, I have a promise and a covenant. I'm going to make it with you. And I said, I'm going to have somebody else fulfill it. How's that work? not what happened. God made the covenant and then he fulfilled it. He made a promise to Abraham and because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. That's what the scripture says. Because he could swear by no greater, he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to swear by myself. I'll hold myself to my word and the word will become flesh. I'll fulfill my word by becoming flesh. There's no confusion about who came on that night in Bethlehem. God in the flesh came. God came to dwell among his people. And his desire and his pattern has not changed. And where we live in this time, the scripture tells us, again, the dual prophecy of Malachi, he will suddenly come to his temple. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but we're just going to have to go here. Acts chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there was a sound as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Yes. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. It's the fulfillment of the prophecy. He was suddenly coming to his temple. What know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Suddenly there came a sound. Suddenly he came to his temple. Suddenly he filled the hearts and the lives of men and women. When they believed who he was and they recognized he would fill you and I with his spirit and the fulfillment of his word. It's the sudden coming of God to his temple because his desire is to dwell among his people. It has not changed. Would you talk with the Lord right now where you are in thankfulness for his goodness? Come on, we got to know who's come. We've got to know who has come. It's more than... God forbid we make it a passing story to share. We should be sharing it, but we need the revelation and the understanding. The mighty God in Christ came. He dwelt among us. The mighty God in Christ came, fulfilling himself to us. The mighty God came, revealing himself to us to purchase us unto himself by his own blood making a way for you and I to enter in where we never could and know and experience and walk in the power and the ministry of his spirit in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus come on it was the giving of a gift it was the giving of a gift is it any wonder that it's called the gift of the Holy Ghost? When he pours out his spirit and he fills this temple not made with hands, it's exactly what the Apostle Paul was talking about on Mars Hill when he said the God that we worship doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He's not far from every one of us. He's close and he's near. And we open our spirit and the spirit of the living God would come and fill the temple in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. But to enter into covenant with Him, we have to pass through the blood. To enter into covenant with Him, we have to pass through the blood. We understand it's applied in the waters of baptism. It's the covenant that we enter into where He made a way for us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we trust in you, Father. We trust in you, Father. We trust in you, Father. Come on, reach to him with your spirit right now. Would you do that? Let the presence of God reach into your heart and life. Come on, let scales be peeled away that we recognize. Hi, it was you. It's the love of God that brought you to us. It's the love of God that spoke the word and fulfilled the word. Love is the fulfillment of the law. It's you that did it, Lord. I worship you. I worship you, the living God. I worship you. 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 If your story 
And your relationship or my relationship stops with him coming to Bethlehem. It's an unfulfilled story. It's an unfulfilled life. If our life stops with celebrating him coming to Bethlehem, it's an unfulfilled life. Him coming at Bethlehem was simply an, a, a fulfillment of his word, yes, but it's also an indication to us of his desire to come to us and dwell in us. We've got to let him move from the manger to the throne in our life. We have to give him place where he moves from the manger to the throne in our life and in our heart. Amen. We have to allow him this place. This is his desire. To dwell among us, among you individually and us collectively as a people of God. In Jesus' name. Mm, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you reach to him one more time, please? When he's no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of persons. When the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we could be made the righteousness of God in him. This is what he's done. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. We give you all glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you thankful to know who he is? Hold him close. Hold him near. And share him with everyone you know. Amen. Greet someone today. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.